Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dr. Emmett Emery Sr. You better stand your watch, leader and leadership podcast. I talked about having a series of uh, podcasts for Black History Month. The first podcast was about barbers, the impact they have within the black communities, and um, where they are now among the black community. The second uh, series, I talked about the black church and what it means to the community. And I asked the question, why are the younger uh, African-Americans pulling away from the church? This last segment for Black History Month is going to touch an area, the third area, that has a great impact within the, the black community. And that's sports. For some in the low-income areas or out of the projects, the black communities, the only way out was through sports. You've, at, a 90, at 100%, I'd say 1% or 2% got out academically. The other 98% could have got out academically if it, did, if it was based upon street smarts, but it wasn't. It was based upon, based upon book smarts. And at the time, those communities, they was pushing you through the schools. And a lot of times, the text material that you had, you might have had it sharing it for three or four years. So baseball, volleyball, basketball, and football, and track and field was the means of getting out of the community. So my last segment is going to be on basketball. I got two individuals here we're going to talk about basketball. Both of my LBs, both of them pretty tall. Back in the days, I might be able to take them. <laughs> I don't think I can do it now, but I do got an LB that can. I think uh, 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 number eight, we call number eight, Pledge. I think Pledge could take both of them. I know Ace probably sitting back at home right now. Eric probably saying, no, no, I could take Pledge. No, I think Pledge got a 40, 45 to 54-inch vertical, Eric, and I think he just dunk, 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 dunk on you, you know, to stunt your growth. So let's talk about basketball first before I introduce them. Basketball is a symbol of the community and unity for the African-American culture. It's a way to come together to celebrate, to com compete, and to learn. Basketball is a game that brings people out all back, of all backgrounds together, regardless of race, gender, or class. Basketball is a way for African-Americans to express themselves and their culture. First, I want, Andre, you introduce yourself to my audience. My name is Andre Lewis. I work for the public school system, and I'm also the head boys basketball coach at the Strawberry Crest. I played high school ball. Well, I'm originally from Georgia, Albany, Georgia, home yeah, of the Union. Do you say Albany? Albany. <laughs> Albany, Georgia. Home of the University of Westover High, four-time state champions. Played college ball in Western Kentucky and southeastern Louisiana and a couple of years overseas in Germany. So right now I'm just giving back to the community, giving back to the game that, that paved the path for me. Got something. But I forget it. I am married to the doctor, Felita Lewis. And there I we go. There two, we go. Two kids, uh, Jason and Jordan. Jordan is a uh, freshman at HCC, and Jason is a freshman at Strawberry Crest. And both of them are participating in basketball. And you're a member of what proud uh, organization? And I'm a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. All right, all right. Fall 23. Right. LBs and Sands right here. Uh-oh. Now, now you're ready to talk. <laughs> Gary, introduce yourself to my, to my audience. Hello, everybody. My name is Gary Green. I am originally from Tampa, Florida. I uh, went to King High School. Graduated from USF Bulls. Go Bulls. Ranked 25th in the country right now. Men's basketball. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Throw that in there. Uh, absolutely. Um, played <laughs> high school basketball. Was, you know, 
first team all county, all that good, all that good stuff. And then uh, I had opportunities to play in college. Did not take those opportunities because I was a what state you play high school forward. here in Florida. Okay, yep, here in Florida, you won that all bony whatever. Nah, right near the Tampa, down the street in Tampa Terrace. Don't mispronounce the city, man. All bent. But I got my coaching start while still in college by working as a practice player for the women's basketball team there. Um, so I got a chance to be up close and personal within practices, seeing how coaches moved, how they design practices, um, push players, all that good stuff. So um, after following that, I ended up getting a job at Santa Fe College as assistant coach. Um, so started there and then moved from there to Lynn University as assistant coach. Left there to start a family and went into the girls' Nike EYBL circuit. And that's where the majority of my major experiences have come from. So I'm just happy to keep giving back to girls in the community and uh, hopefully my daughters can follow in those same footsteps at one point. Miss something. Also a member of the prestigious Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, member of the Fall 23 Conclave line along with my amazing LBs here. It was, it's such a great fraternity. You had to do what? They named it twice, right? What, they what? named it twice. Ooh. Yes, absolutely. Well, those who don't know, Kappa Alpha Psi is also Final Pi. Uh-oh. 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 Now, you better say something about your wife or we leave this right here. Also happily married to Dr. Chanel Green. Two beautiful daughters, Gabby Green and Zoe Green. Also a brand new puppy, Max Green. Thank you. This dude is not his puppy. Everybody got to get a shout out. Some of the biggest battles of desegregation happened not on the streets, not on a bus, but on the courts. Before the civil rights movement, African-American basketball players were fighting for their space in the sport. This was the Black Fives era. Fives referred to the starting five players on the team, and Black Fives was used to describe an all-black team early in its history. You guys familiar with the Black Five? I think my Black Five was the Fab Five yeah. in Michigan. <laughs> Might be a little bit this before my time. <laughs> <laughs> the era began in 1904, only 13 years after basketball was invented by James Naismith a physical education instructor on or about December 1st, 1891. I mean, basketball was induced to the black community by Edwin Bancroft Henderson, a physical educator working in Washington, D.C. He discovered the game during his summer section at Harvard University. Everyone look at Harvard University as just being um, lawyers and high academics, but they found basketball there. Soon, organized teams began to form. The first was the Smart Set Athletic Club of Brooklyn, which was formed in 1907. More teams began to assemble throughout the East Coast. The St. Christopher Club, an alpha physical culture club in Harlem, New York City. The Washington 12 Streeters in Washington, D.C. And the Macellios Athletic Association in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania were some of the first teams. Now, they was barred from the whites, only gymnasiums and athletic clubs. Black Fives team played in church basements, armories, meeting halls, dance ballrooms, and rooftops of department store. I mean, they, 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 any place they can find the hoop, they hooped. Rather than just isolate basketball games, isolated basketball games, these bona fide events also involved music and dance. Before and after games, during the age of jazz, a celebration that sounds like the NBA All-Star Weekend. I mean, just got together and have a good time. Just like having a, uh, what do you call it, a cookout? Exactly. The basketball player introduced a new style of play described as the running gun. No, Magic Johnson not introduced a running gun with the Lakers. This was done with the Black Fives way back when. It was showtime. 
The gang was reportedly faster, more pace, and exciting compared to the more instructed and deliberate style of white games. The pick and roll and the goal of freeing up outside shooters were generated in these leagues. Out, that that surprised me. When I read that, on how intelligent they was back then. They basically invented the pick and roll. They, they invented it. And then it kind of went away. Yeah. And then it, it, it came back a little yeah. bit later. The intense game played drew larger interracial crowds. Interracial crowds. And ticket sales skyrocketed in the early 1920s. The Black Fives was helping dissolve social stigmas that African Americans were lesser people. Chuck Cooper was the first black player selected in the NBA draft. I did not know that. The first player to sign the NBA contract was Nathaniel Sweetwater Clifton. I knew that. And Earl Lloyd was the first black player to compete in the NBA game. The color barrier in the NBA was broken, which opened the door for generations of black players to make basketball what it is today. The game of basketball for women was created in 1892 with the first women's basketball team organized by Sandra Burstein at Smith College, adapting Nathan, Nathan Smith's rules to emphasize cooperation with three zones and six players on each team. No man was admitted to the gym. They weren't allowed to the game. In 1893, women's basketball began at Town State College, Carlington College, Mount Holy, Holyoke College, and Sophie Newcomer in Tulane in New Orleans College. Each year, more schools added women's basketball to their sports, offering for, for girls. The amateur Athletic Union, AAU, conducted the first national men's basketball championship in 1897. The first AAU women's national basketball championship started in 1926. Why did I mention AAU? Because both of these gentlemen coach AAU. Starting with you, Coach Andre, what is the, the difference in coaching AAU versus coaching high school? It just depends on the coach. Like, I do both. So... It's an easy transition for me to go on from high school to AAU because AAU is supposed to have the elite players. So during the summer, you know, there there's skills. So you coach boy or girl? Coach boys. Okay. Yeah. So they're supposed to be elite because there's really not that much practice time. Mm. Uh, you may practice maybe once or twice a week. So you try to get those kids that are already prepared and kind of well seasoned. Uh, due to the fact that you don't have that much practice. And when you get to the game, the only thing you're doing is putting in the system. And now they are playing in front of more college coaches these days. And then there's also coaches that like to stack teams that just get the talent and, you know, and go from there. But we, we're into, like, uh, I coach with the skill center, um, and we're big on development. So we, we get kids from second, third grade, and if they stay up in the program, you know, we, it's a development um, program. So when we do go out on the road, college coaches are looking for kids who know how to play basketball. But you said that the AAU gets more college coaches. So does that mean that that player is more successful getting a scholarship through AAU versus actually playing the sport in high school at the gym? Right. That's where the game has evolved. It's a business now. So it's, it's about getting the kids the opportunity. So when we came up, um, there was one camp that I remember. It was the Dave Crowder camp. Who was we? 
Well, yeah, you're a little bit older. Right? <laughs> 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 um, so, and, and I put that, we grew up in a bubble. Mm-hmm. So right now we're in the social media era. But we grew up in a bubble. Only thing we knew about was the players that was in our era. Right, right. And you had to be the best in your era, area to go during the summer and play against these other guys that you read about. Mm-hmm. Now you see everything. You see where the best players are in California, in, in Germany. You know, they have access to all this stuff. So we used to go to the Dave Crowder camp, take a bus load from the south, and – University of Cincinnati had about 16 courts in there, and you had over 800 college coaches. So that's where all the college coaches would come in and choose their players. And then back then, college coaches actually had to come to the gym to put eyes on you, to, right. to recruit you, because right. you didn't have all this Right, and meet with your parents in the parents' house and your house. So the way the like game that. has evolved, now it ain't too much about what you know, it's who you know to get that information to those coaches because they have access to many kids now. But also back then, the I'm, I'm staying with you with boys, come and get with Gary with girls. Also, it's it was a stigma that the top basketball players was either north, midwest, north, east, west, and the only thing you got south was football players. So how difficult was that for you and your and the players down south to be seen in that sport, well, well, actually, the area that I that I grew up in, it was a basically an athletic town, and we had a good era of basketball from the I'm gonna say mid '80s all the way up to all the way up to now. So I, I, I was ourselves. Um, I played with a guy named D'Antonio Wheatfield, who ended up being a McDonald's All American, but he was six seven, six six, six seven in middle school. Uh, we had another guy called um, named Melvin Drake. Six 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 seven. That was in middle school, so that was the that was the draw. And we got another guy named uh, Tiny that was our LB. That <laughs> six eight six nine. Throw me there. And then it was just the network with the coaches, with the, with the connection with some guys up north to bring those guys down and see all the talent in the area. So you had to communicate with someone up north to get them down. Coaches. Coach. Our, our coach, coaches did. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then it, it just came a breeding ground um, for, for, for basketball talent. And then that's but in the 80s, you was at the, the forefront of all that, the Midwest, the East, and the West, identifying the basketball player South. Because uh, Barkley, I heard, was pretty good in high school, but he didn't really get seen until he got to college. Jordan was pretty good in high school, but he really didn't get seen until he got to a major college. Those are major colleges they was in. And that's how they got seen. So it's the high school. Dominique Wilkins got seen in high school, but he really wasn't heard about until he got to college. Well, where's Dominique? So that goes back to that bubble. West Virginia. Yeah, but that goes that goes back to that bubble. Right. You you you're you're attracted to the schools that are that you know about in your area. Correct. So then it made it easier for them to recruit. Now when we expanded and went up north to Cincinnati to the University of Cincinnati. Now that allowed a whole bunch of other schools to, to 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 see and started coming in and, and recruiting down south. Yeah, because it ain't nothing else you can do in Ohio but to go other places and recruit. Right, right, right. <laughs> back, back then, that was early nineties. I, I would think back then also, like with coaches, they just also didn't really know what to do, especially if you're a high school coach and you're just doing it for the actual supplement and not doing it for like something bigger. Than just 
an extra in piece of income, you know what I mean? Because there are some coaches who coach for the love of it and really want to see their players keep going. There are some coaches who are just doing it just to do it. So if you just are unlucky enough to get a coach who isn't about trying to get you to the next level, like many people have probably heard stories of where they're not sending out game film, they're not sending out game tapes, links to this, schedules. You're just not going to get the feedback that you're looking for. And some players just leave high school feeling disappointed or unfulfilled moving on because they just didn't but get that it wasn't it wasn't like that in my era mm -hmm. and midwest and east and west coast because you're competing so the coaches always had to make sure they got a game plan together to beat the next school because those city schools are so close together so you can't trying to beat the next school beat the next school to get to the city finals then go down state where you compete so the competition was real tough in the city i don't know about the country area the college coaches was at the high school games right they had to come and put their eyes on they them. came to the high school games and au was pretty much uh just a holland gold town show yeah because it wasn't all that big back then au the high schools is what was they was coming to see right it was coming to the au is now like you said and that's where the coaches go now and a lot of other stuff is going on with AAU with uh, trying to money and all other stuff that I'm not going to get into because I don't know everything. It is a business, and, like, now they have live peers. So it ain't like college coaching just come out when they want to. They got a certain set of dates that they can only come out, and there's only certain events that are NCAA mm. certified that they can go to. So they control it now. Right. So Better control. Um, but that's 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 on the higher level. But you you have uh, division threes and JUCOs and things. Their rules are a little bit different. Um, but those major NAA. Um, well, yeah. right now you can market yourself. Right. Well, they, and they, see, they, the division one schools. It's only about division two and three, but division one you can market because you look at some of the people now. They're making more money in college. They're probably making the pros as far as the female side. Absolutely. Now that's, getting that's to the female. Idea. Now he's what he states pretty much was the male. It's more difficult for females. Because a lot of the coaches not coming down from the Midwest to see females play in the South. Correct. And the females not getting the notoriety that the males do. Because we already know that the pay is different. So you can take a person that's in high school on a male level, and they'll say they go straight to the pros. What they said, Kobe, you drafted out of high school, and we had a couple, Janane O'Neill was drafted out of high school, and we had a couple more. Well, you never heard a female going WNBA out of high school. They got to either finish college or come out early. When they come out early, they don't get the money that the guys get. Especially now. now yeah. So how difficult is that to coach a female, get them focused on the game, knowing that in four years they might not still be playing the game? Four years of high school, four years of college. Well, for me, for high, for if I'm coaching high school kids, right, and we're trying to get them ready for the next level, obviously the carrot in front of them is the college scholarship, right? When you're coaching on the college level that I've seen, the carrot is a little bit smaller, but you have to recruit the kids that don't need that carrot in the first place. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Once you get to the point where you're trying to motivate just them to work hard, you've already lost half the battle. And I, I, I think you know that and you know that also. So when you get to the college level and you're really trying to build a team, the team has to be built based on kids who want to compete. At the college level, there's no room for – trying to pull you along there's no room for trying to convince you to practice hard there's no room for trying to get you to want to play at a certain level at a certain pace with a certain effort 
is different coaching high school kids because the carrot is there. The prize at the end of the, the journey is there being a college scholarship to a top 10, top five, top 25 school. Our girls at Essence have the blessing and the luxury to have choices to choose from those type of programs. See, so, but if you look at the, from his perspective mm-hmm. with the males, back then the males wasn't academically ready mm-hmm. for D1, unless they that top tier player and they took them, they had to go to junior colleges. Correct. So a lot of junior colleges was was up. I mean, they was playing uh, at the same level as some of these D1 schools at that time. And you see that on the women's side too. So, mm-hmm. but you didn't see it on the women's side back then, mm-hmm. but you see it now. Yeah, I want to say over the past twenty years, I want to say the women's game has probably grown. Where it's like, okay, I can take a kid that we should have went to Oklahoma and bring her down to a Gulf Coast college here in Florida, which is one of the major programs in JUCO. And they're there for a year, and they can go play, get developed, really get developed, and move on to another school or go back to the same school they just came from. And they're confident that they're going to be ready to play and contribute. Um, Interesting you said that. Because my daughter went to Tulane for a year mm-hmm. as a freshman year. Uh, things didn't go right. didn't play the style of ball that she wanted to play. And, and she wanted to go um, sit out for a year and play at Florida Gulf Coast. I didn't want her to sit out a year because she really didn't get the time she should have got uh, her freshman year. Mm-hmm. So she went to JUCO. Guess what that fool did in junior college? What was that? She got junior college player of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of the junior college player of the year. Mm-hmm. She's first team all junior college. The junior college scene on the women's side, especially in Florida, is super competitive. It was competitive. That The conference she was in. She was in. She was down with Chipotle. So she in Chipotle. So she was playing in the Panhandle Conference. She was in Panhandle Conference. That's the most competitive conference in in JUCO in America. She was on a team that had just won a championship year before. Right. And And they weren't weren't scheduled to go back again. She led them back to the championship. So if you're a a Division I player and you're looking for a JUCO, playing in the Panhandle Conference with Chipotle, this was a while ago, too, so the, the school may have changed. Okaloosa, Walton. Um, yep, it was there. Um, it changed to Northwest Florida. It changed the name. Um, Gulf Coast. She was uh, at Gulf Coast. Pensacola's up there also. I think there's one more. that has, went, Tallahassee. Yeah, Tallahassee, yes. Any of those five schools you go to, and you're a woman, a woman or uh, just trying to get better and move on, those are the five schools you want to go to. Um, mm-hmm. the, there's... In Florida, there's other schools you can get to to, to make it happen, but those are premier. That's the those pre- competitive. That's the most competitive conference. That's close to D1. Absolutely. So I think when it comes to having a carrot, motivation, something to keep the kids going, working hard, motivated, it's there. You just have to find that certain something. In, in high school, it's, it's way easier than it is in college. In college, you have to count on the fact that they are competitive. They want to win. They're looking for to be a part of something bigger than themselves and also leave a legacy for the people that's coming behind them. Once you recruit those things, then you'll be good to build a program that, that can last Thanks. and keep winning. So also the difference in high school and, and college also, high school, you got, you just picking players at your school. Correct. When you get to college, you picking kids that's going to fit your program. Correct. Well, right now in high school, you ain't picking kids in your school. Oh yes, you picking kids that you see on the AAU circuit Some pe- <laughs> that you think gonna better your program, but your school. Some people can't get away with that. That's right, but yeah. but see, coach being modest, that what happened yeah. to him. He has some good players, some big tall players on his team that compete down low, and they left and went to other teams because they played good AAU ball. And um, I want to give a shout out to the Lion Brothers, uh, our Lion Brothers, mm-hmm. because we all came together and we supported Coach Andre. During this season, this high school season, he has his up and downs, um, but he still had the talent. 
from coaching to get them boys to do what he wanted to do. Not only was they competitive on the court, but he's not. He's being modest again, but he don't say how competitive it was in the classroom. So you can't get to college unless you got the grades. It's not like back in the day you can go to junior college and and then they push you through junior college. You go to junior college now, you got to graduate. You got to work in junior college, absolutely. But junior college is, is tough. Exactly. It's just like D one because you got to be able to play. Exactly. You got absolutely. to be able to play. And I think one of the, the major things that a lot of kids get sh- are shocked by is the level of play in junior college. Number one, they don't know that there's other athletes at that level that are better than them, number one. And number two, they don't understand how much in the classroom they really got to work and study because you've gotten kids from up north, from down, in, pretty much anywhere, and they're just seeing how many hours of study hall we have actually have them doing. And it's that first month, it's a struggle. I mean, it, we, we literally have to – change their behavior and the way they're thinking and just change everything about them just to get them on the on this on the page of a college level athlete because they just don't see it because it's junior college what what point did you stop your, your workouts as a coach or as, a, as a coach did i stop my workout will you stop your workout when you've been there for an hour you've been a, an hour and a half when you feel that the kids are tired when you feel they got the concept you feel they're not getting the concept well actually you can be in the gym pretty much year round now so in the fall league you you know you're working on your conditioning you're mm-hmm. putting your systems and all that stuff in so by the time the season start you know you should be rolling and well well polished now you're just waiting on your football players if you do have football mm-hmm. players to come in and, and get it get active but it usually about two hours because back then and when you played and when you played and when i played the workouts were just like a game right because we were, we were competitive and so uh, is it like that now no it's different. No, it's, 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 it's totally different. because, and, But I understand the era. It's, this is the social media era. Mm. Back then, we didn't have nothing to do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have all the video games and all that type of stuff. So whatever you wanted to do, you had to go outside. We had Pac-Man. We had Galactica. That's a That's a tar. <laughs> that, that, that was a tar, but anything you... Like all the training and stuff that they do now, if you think about... What you did as a kid outside, you were training. Yeah. You know, climbing trees, jumping fences. Running back and forth. Running back and, you know, just running, racing. But everything was competitive um, back then. But now, it's it's not not like that. Yeah, because back then we used to walk. Walk to the liquor store. You walk to the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) You walk to the walk now. (laughs) (laughs) Another side of that is that we were forced to go outside to see our friends. Like, we had to go to the courts to go see our friends. Like, I I had to go to the rec center to go hooping and go see my friends. Now, they don't have to do those things to see their friends. It's just online. But most importantly, and you two can answer this this question. Back then, PE, physical education, was a requirement. It was a, it was it's a still requirement. requirement now. It's the requirement. Yeah. Some people said that they don't have to take in physical mid- education. In, in middle school, when I was a you have to take there, hope. See? Right. So there's not physical. So, education. so you can you get out of PE, and, and there's kids who, yeah. who who fill out PE waivers in middle school to get. Wow. Out of PE. In middle school. Yeah, middle school. Hey, but then we wow. only had PE. Now you got soccer, right. volleyball. <laughs> right. you, you can weight lift and get pick and choose. We, we had basketball. We had softball. We had dodgeball. Yeah, dodgeball is a class. That's amazing. Yeah, we kill each other. We had little hard balls right. too. They're, they're, they're we had the soft volleyball. We had the hard brown yeah. balls. Dodging bricks out there. It's a city of Chicago. <laughs> I mean, we used to play softball in the snow. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was, when it got ice, we played football oh, right on the cool. concrete, right to school. Yep, yep. That's the city. Oh, we, right, but though. we played on dirt courts. Yeah. We, we played on dirt dirt courts coming up. 
They we do that. With that slick ball. Yeah, you from New you from Chicago. Yeah. See, I'm from Albany. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had we had the, the gold in the yard. We didn't have cement streets. Yeah. Um till later on, probably when I got to high school, they paved our road. But we had a basketball go. We played on dirt court. They, that grass was beautiful. But after about a month, all you saw was a dirt spot. And that's 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 what we played. I'm I'm thinking I don't understand how the men's practice is not tougher and competitive when the, the women are bring guys in to play against them yep. to make it tougher. Yeah, that's how I got started. Absolutely. So that's that's why and so you have to be doing something in your practice to make them tough because they compete on a tough level when they go out there and play. Well it's a mindset now. Is 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 it's a mindset thing now. Um they're not built like we 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 were mentally. Built, didn't yeah mentally have to go through all the things um, cuz we didn't have to they never told us the why right. now you got to tell them why they're doing certain things right. and so you know I, we wasn't raised with silver spoons and stuff in our mouth and you know we always want to provide well you from Alabama so you raised I, with dirt in your mouth Georgia <laughs> oh my bad <laughs> 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 not crimp some tide over here we <laughs> go dogs <laughs> so gary how you implement a coaching philosophy that promotes the expectation of school athletics, athletics and activities? Um, it's having open dialogue and communication with athletic directors, teachers, just support staff, just the school community itself. Um, I think once you get there, what do you mean teachers? Isn't that timely? And no, no, not at all. Um, I think at at that point in this in the year of basketball you you've developed relationships with people you've been communicating you've under, you're understanding the expectations that people have for their students who are your student athletes so you're just basically taking pieces of what they need what administration needs mm-hmm. athletic director needs and then putting it into a pie and creating a program and once you have that program based on schools expectations and schools um vision then you can have a program that can grow um and with kids buying in with parents buying in um, at the college level with boosters buying in things like that but it has to come from the top down and the top is obviously school president school school athletic director and just kind of trickles down from there so everyone has to be involved everyone has to be um has to feel a part of the program like you do little things like giving them t-shirts team t-shirts um inviting them to games for free having have them recognize at halftime of certain games things like that just to just bring everybody in and have them feel like they're a part of the program so if we lose they're going to be emotional about it if we win they get to celebrate and they get to be involved in everything that we're involved in so i think that's very helpful to get everyone you know moving in the same direction with with you coach you also got to deal on the man's side with booster clubs and, and things that nature involving more of the community because it's male. Females don't get a lot of that. Right. How do you do that? I'm piggybacking on what he just, the question I gave him. Well, that's by choice. You know, like Hillsborough County is a big, big area with 29 high schools. So it, it, that varies in the area that you're in. Um, so what works at my school may not work for Middleton or a Blake or mm-hmm. what have you. Um, but we have a, um, we're community. Why wouldn't it work? Because your school has not been in existence longer than those schools? No, I'm not saying it wouldn't work. You, you still have your program mm-hmm. that's going. But the, as far as the support system, mm-hmm. like the school that I'm at, it's, it's, it's a highly academic school. And you basically have to – where I, I started the program. So it has been, been built to where – So basically – 
you started programs. You trying to say that you was highly academic when you started? Oh no, you, you have highly you have high academic kids, and, and everything is in, in place like uh, ELP, that's extended learning program. Oh, All that okay. stuff is already in place. All you do is say, if you need help, go here. Mm. If you need help, go there. So you have support staff. Yeah, you got you got you got you got very much support, um, and you know just with the county when things happen. You know, it, it evolves. Like now, we have a trainer at practice all the time. That's awesome. Um, but that's countywide, and you have you have mandatory study hall. Um, that's like college. You, you have to have a certain amount of. If you have a certain GPA, then you don't have to go to study hall. So it's just at your school or all the high schools. Um, I can just only speak for this one, <laughs> for my high school. Right. Um, but but I think the rules apply for everybody across the board. But everybody have to do with works for, for their program. So how do you keep the, in Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, L.A., a lot of the gangs involve themselves um, with some of the top players in the school. They support them. Uh, either they support them, make sure nothing happened to them, make sure they get out of the school, whatever, or sometimes they support them, give them shoes or things of that nature. How did that, contra- how did it interfere with eligibility, so to speak, it's not so much with the females, but it's with the, the guys. So do you have to give them extra pair of shoes to make sure that they're okay or extra gear? Or how that works? No. Um, it, this is not the 90s, <laughs> 2000s <laughs> right now. Um, as you know, uh, I think Florida's trying to pass the NIL deal. What's that? That's the um, name, name, image, and likeness mm-hmm. where they can – be sponsored like the college is doing. Get paid like the college is doing. But I don't see that being a problem here and in this era, as far as gangs and stuff being involved mm-hmm. um, and, and betting on games and things of that nature. Like I said, this is this is like a social media era. Um, but your but gambling is legal in Florida. Yeah, but not on the not on the high school. Well, some people probably do. Yeah. It on the high school. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it 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 is it, it, it's, it's more of the parents now okay. than 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 the gang right. being affiliated. What do you mean by that? It's, it's more of the parents. Cuz you have some parents that are hostile and you have parents that um, think their kids are better than others, and and it, it can be toward a coach. You know, if if they think their kid is good and the coach is not playing them, it, it, it's a problem. It's an issue. I didn't think that was much of a problem on the organized high school level, but I know it's a big problem on the AAU circuit. So you tell me it's high school too. It's high school too. So how do you deal with that as a coach? Deal with it like it. Well, me, I can only speak for me. I'm 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 here to. To mentor, and if if you want to be around, you know, to 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 get that, then then it is what it is. But the grass is not always green on the other side. So how you communicate with the parent? I communicate with my parents at the beginning of the year. Okay. Uh, so they get an understanding from the beginning. They, they get an understanding from the beginning. Uh, my expectations and what I expect, and I don't I don't have well, just here I have, don't have any issues um, during the school year as far as parents because if if a parent Ask me a question. They better be prepared for the answer. And 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 I think that's a problem these days. A, a lot of people are just telling kids what they want to hear. Absolutely. They're not telling them what gonna make them better and the things that they need to do to be successful. Oh, that's a good that's a good comeback. I thought you was going to to the point where you're saying that you like the strong arm, um, the parent 
and uh, punk them at the same time. But I'm glad you came back with that one. No, no. Don't, don't that. No. <laughs> I mean, in a roundabout way, you kind of have to just because a parent will see a crack and will keep, they won't, they won't stop until they feel like they're going to get what they want. I, I, I'll still remember, this is middle school, seventh grade. Um, I, this boy, he, he tried out, he was played all the time. <laughs> he was supposed to be so good. But his behavior was trash every day. <laughs> I mean, he just just in the classroom acting up. It got so bad where the parents literally had to come in with me and have a meeting. And they asked, what's wrong? Like you just said, you have to be honest. You have to tell them exactly what they need to get better. So me knowing that this kid is in the seventh grade, he's going to want to try it in eighth grade. He's going to want to play in high school. Mm -hmm. I'll say, number one, his behavior sucks. He has to get his grades up. And he's not as good as you think he is. <laughs> So for them, I think they finally saw their little baby boy as not a baby boy, but this middle school kid who needs to be better if he wants to have a future playing basketball. But the energy that they gave me during the tryouts, before tryouts, after tryouts, during the meeting was, I'm wrong, my son is the best, I don't care what you're saying, it needs to happen, but... Like he said, if the coddling keeps continuing, their kids won't but never then it, get better. But then it's going to depend on that, that kid. Because my granddaughter just turned 12, and uh, she just started middle school. And I went to a track meet last week, and she ran the first leg of the 4x400-meter relay. She was the last event. And it was eight girls in the race, and all the seven girls was all in eighth grade, and she was in sixth. And I was talking to her because I ran track in high school and, and in college. I was talking to her while she was out on the field, on the track. And I said, just run. My son had already been working with her on techniques. So she knew the technique, but she had to get past the nervous part. So I said, just run, sweetheart. She said, I know, but I'm nervous. See, that there, for her to talk back to me, at the time that she nervous, that meant she respect me. That also meant I got a chance to talk more. So I told her, run all the way to the 200-meter mark. Just run. Pick up speed at the 200-meter mark, and then sprint it in. She brought in a second. They said it was the fastest she ever ran because her dad took time with her. He ran track when he was in high school and college and told her techniques and the fact that I was able to calm her down. I didn't help her race, but I calmed her down. So everything that he put in there, she was able to do it, and she came in. So those kids said that she wasn't that good because there was a third meet, and the two meets before that, she wasn't doing too well. So she came out that third meet and took second. Made all them eight graders look bad. So, so did that method with the parent, with that child, what was the outcome for that child after you talked to that parent? Well, that year, that season, he didn't play for us. But I did tell him, you know, if, if his behavior improved, I would let him just be around it. His behavior never improved to the point where I would let him near the team. So I'm hoping for him in the future he figured it out and understood that you have to have expectations met before you can move on. And to piggyback, piggyback on what Andre said earlier – if you have high, if you have a certain level of expectations, like for him, if you have a certain GPA, there's no study hall. If you meet a certain expectations for for me, any coach, any team I'm a part of, the same thing is going to happen. But until you meet that expectation, the level and the amount of pushing and coaching and motivating and talking is going to be intense because I have no choice but to get you there. You ask to play for me, and I'm going to get you exactly where I need you to be because I know you can get there. But the expectations are, are really high, maybe too high for some people, but once they get it, they understand why they were so high. And that Were you that 
aggressive towards female ball players? Absolutely. So you didn't deviate your technique? I, I learned this from my time with Essence Girls Basketball. Now, how much um, of an impact would that on a female player? It impacts them in a positive way in the long run. But they're very emotional. They are, but if you, are, if you come to join our program, you, under, you understand that already. The way we do things is not a secret. When we're in tournaments um, on the sideline, you'll see our director. She's five foot one. Name's Kimberly Davis Powell, about here. And she's in players' faces, 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, Da-da-da, I told you to da 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 Like, getting into them. Because she knows once they leave from us and they go to college, UF, Florida State. Yeah, but how is that going to impact that player? It's going to impact. My impact, mindset. Because with Andre, with Coach, Coach Andre, it's his high school. So all his players are in the same school. With you, you do more with AAU. You got them from various different schools, different programs, different attitudes, different coaches. So how do you communicate with each one to make them work as one? So it like every player is different. So you're not. I'm not going to give a one size fit all, all method. Buy in, correct. So what did you say? Say it again. So buy in, buy in, correct. So no, they've already once they see essence basketball program from afar, they already want to be a part of it once because of results from the program. Correct. Our, 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 our record from the past, our, our resume speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Once you hop on our website, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So parents do their research. Explain what Essence is to my audience. Essence Girls Basketball is a um, program. We've been around for about 24, almost 25 years. Um, we have girls who start with us in sixth grade. We just recently started um, starting a third grade team just recently. But is it a summer AAU team? Overall, it's a travel ball AAU team. We play in spring, play in the summer, um, tournaments all over the country. We have girls go on to top 25 schools, top 10, top 5. We have about 10 girls who have played overseas um, professionally. About five girls have played in WNBA. We have one active WNBA player right Name now. Name two. Uh, Erica Willer. Okay. Um, and uh, – She's not playing right now. Destiny Henderson, she's actually playing overseas right now. Okay. Um, we've had another young lady playing overseas is Maya Dotson. She uh, played at Notre Dame. Um, I think there's a long list of kids. Didn't um, Janiah Parker play for Essence? Janiah Parker, I believe so. Played Tampa Bay Tech. Yeah, I think she may have been in between my eras when I was there. But, they, I mean, we've had a lot, a lot of, su- a lot of success. Uh, Nike Nationals uh, champions, Nike National runner-ups, Final Fours, it's – it's a it's a it's a major program. So my point for saying, when people when parents see us and they're approaching us to come play for us, or they come try out for us, we're we're giving them the full experience, <laughs> all all at all times. There's no hiding. There's no we let them know our expectations are here. And if you can't meet that, or you don't want to meet it, or if it's too high, just go play somewhere else. It's okay. You know what I'm saying. But once you are with us. And you meet it, we're going to take care of you. You're going to get everything you want and need from us, and, and you're going to be happy. So my, basically you my, get prepared for the, for the next level. So what, what he's explaining and, and how we deal with it, it's just a small fraction. You know, if we are rough, that's only a small fraction of what you're going to get when you get to that's the next level. Just that's the difference between high school and AAU. Because my daughter was going to play for Essence. She just played her sophomore year, and she, Taylor Emery, Taylor Emery, Taylor Emery, and she, <laughs> great player by the way. She along with Faith Woodard led that mm-hmm. team to state finals, final four, and she was going to play with Essence that summer, but 
because the program was so good, you're not getting only positive feedback. You're getting negative too. Yeah, you'll, we'll get negative recruited against the line. And because of all the negativity that I heard, mm-hmm. I felt it'd be better for her to go to a Nike. Right, and that's something that, that we that we deal with, we have dealt with. And when that happens, unfortunately, we can't chase down the parent who was told the wrong information and, and have that conversation because once the mind is made up, they're gone. They've made they made that that, that plan to, to just go, but. If you can think about it uh, fully, the expectations are high, and you got and, and people leave not just you, but people leave because they understand that it is a talented program, and they don't want their daughters to get lost in the sauce or just not be seen or be heard. But like I like we explained before, if you can play, you're going to play. If you can play, we're going to develop you to a point where you can play better, mm-hmm. where we can use you better, we can use you in a way that everyone's going to be successful and be happy. And college coaches will get what they want, parents will get what they want, and players will get what they want. But it's different with coach. AU, because you could be, you could have a team of, from different schools, players from different schools, and all of a sudden they're friend on a different team, and they can just switch teams all of a sudden. How yeah. would that if, impact your team? If 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 the program allows it, so uh, program could prevent that from happening. Yes, because you 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 have to register your mm-hmm. kids. So if they're on your team and that team don't release them off of that roster, they oh, can't. They can't they just can't like a high play. school transferring to another school. So. Um, I call this the entitlement era. Why you call it entitlement? Because everybody want to be entitled to something. They <laughs> want something. And if they don't get it, they leave mm-hmm. and go somewhere where they can get it. That's a valid point because that's the same way in the workforce. Yeah. That's why a lot of people switching jobs. Yeah. And um, pick it back on what he said earlier, you might, you might be that a good player elementary. You might be a great player, middle school, but once you get to high school, you don't hear about those good players anymore because they those are kids that develop early, so they was bigger than everybody, so they, and they was they peaked too soon. They 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 done peaked out. Mm-hmm. So once kids get to high school, some of those kids you don't even hear about them anymore. Mm. So what about the ones you hear about from elementary to middle to high school to college to pro. Um. That's a small percentage. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a real small percentage. Cause like right now, we we have a lot of kids in the area now um, that can play, but the at the at the next level, they can play at the next level. But is 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 certain things that people are missing. This is an offensive era, and it, everything that is most coaches that are teaching in AAU translate to the NBA game. Yeah, it don't translate to the college right, game. Right, right. So right. when you got high school kids that are getting trained for a NBA type game, you're missing all those fundamentals that college coaches are looking for. So you kind of get overlooked there. Because not all of them are going to the NBA for those skills. So those skills. how do you train athletes and prepare them for interscholastic competition and developing their skills at a competitive level? That's do just do practice. Like I said, you can go through. Like we we play fall, winter, but. College ain't for everybody. How much do film pay play watching film? I, I think that's a, a, a big factor. I think um, film is important because it doesn't lie. Let me say that. Because you have, if you have conversations with players and, and parents about their vision for themselves, like for us, we have conversations like that because we want to see what how we, sh- how we should market you to the next level. How do we need to tell coaches how you play? This is a 3-4 who can shoot, but you can't shoot. You know what I'm saying? So we have to have conversations like that. They have to be honest. So if you're a kid who wants to be a guard, but you're playing the four, 
and you're not working out, you're overweight and your ball handling is a suspect, we got di- to have a different talk. Um, because you'll be surprised how many post players want to be guards and how many guards want to be able to do stuff that post yeah, players. Yeah, but that's where the game has evolved. But you have a right. freshman, and you have four years to work with that person. Right. So what Gary said about film, how much will that film be an impact onto you and your, and your training for competitive, competitive skills level? Well, I use film to better us, so to go over mistakes, just just far as the the strategy of the game, where you making mistakes at, what can you do better, what you should have did here, you didn't box out. So I use film for that aspect. You didn't hustle. You took a playoff here um, because during the game, you, you see these things, but they hear you, but they don't hear you. But the film don't lie. So when you go back and watch the film and you show them at that particular point of what you was talking about, they get a, tend to get a little bit better. Well, on high school level, the tension span is not going to be as more in tune as college level. So how you get the ones, get them kids to stay focused on film and then implement what they saw in film that you train them to better what they did in film in practice? Well, I, I, I put basketball players in two categories. Mm-hmm. You got players who play for the passion, who want to go play college ball. Then you got Hobby players, they're just doing it for the hobby. Right, absolutely. Right, absolutely. You know, and, and those are usually kids that they can do enough to help you win on the high school level, but as far as them going to the next level, it is not a shot. So you're going to identify the difference between the two? Yeah, you, you can identify. So why would you waste your time to someone for the hobby? You're not, because you're teaching life lessons through basketball. But wouldn't other kids suffer by you spending time teaching life lessons to that one individual? No, it's not not the one. It's, it's the whole team. It's the whole entire team that you're teaching the life lessons to. And, 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 and that's the experience. So that's, that's my drive, to teach the life lessons along with basketball. Now, if basketball is for you, there's opportunities for what you. What if that person from his freshman year to his mm-hmm. junior year has a change of attitude. You can see that. Yeah, you, yeah, but m- most of the time, this is just my experience. Most of the time, you don't get four years of high school. Right. Here recently in this era, they don't get it until they're gone. So, uh, like now, we're playing in, a, in, a, in an adult league, so I got some of my former players. And I can use my son for an example. C- could he play? Yes, but my expectations of him and the level of mentality that he needed to play at the next level, I didn't think he had it. Mm. So this this is the route that you need to go. Um, but your son's a freshman, right? He's, he's a freshman. So you're not going to have that mindset yet? But he, he, after them six months, I guess it clicked. Really? So and you developed then when I, when, 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 when I went to a couple games that he was playing, and I told him, I was like, if this kid was this kid eight months ago, we wouldn't even be here having this conversation. Mm. But it was the mentality. Mm-hmm. It ain't like he... he he could play, mm-hmm. but he didn't have that mentality, mm-hmm. you know, that you need at the next level. Yeah. But once he got to the next level um, at, at Warner and start to, start to see the, the competition and the, and the college coaches and, you know, really not, hey, not taking time for you to learn this play and this, you either get it or you don't, right? So he evolved in those two, two three months. How did you separate dad from coach? With your son? Um, and was he receptive? Well, J- Jordan, my oldest one, 
he, you know, he he, he went through it. So now I got you mean he went one. through. He he got it rough. He he, <laughs> he, 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 he he got it hard. So so now I got the other one coming through. Now I know what not to do. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, and like I said, even though I played basketball, I would love for my kids to have played played basketball. But the path that I took might not be the path that they right, want. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I had to learn to okay, I I I need to back off because they might not want this. Cause I can't want it for them as bad as, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Me, you know, I can't want it better than you. Absolutely. You got the one. I see, but here's the blueprint. I got the blueprint. If you follow this blueprint, you get everything you, you, you want. Are they I, listening to you? Yeah, they, they, they listen, but they, they, they're kids. Now you have two girls, <laughs> seven and three. And the seven year old should be at the age where it's either she interested in the sport or you shove the ball in her hand about this time. Yeah, yeah. So how do you coach your girls versus the other girls? So right now my oldest, Gabby, she has just recently started to show interest in basketball, maybe the past three to four months. Before that, I want to say when she was about four or five, she showed interest. So we would start to do a little bit of ball practicing type of things. I would have her passing, catching, and doing some dribbling. Nothing ever, nothing too rigorous. Just doing this to see her level of interest and level of following direction with the ball in her hand. Mm-hmm. Now, I've decided to take it really, really slow because I was super excited when she was four or five. <laughs> and you already know what that kind of probably led to, just overdoing it a little bit. I had her doing some stuff. She was performing, but I can tell it was just too much. Now, at this point, I'm pushing her more and working her out thinking 10, 15 years from now. Mm. Not with my older girls coaching. Oh, what she be then? See, 10 years from now, she'll be 16, 17, getting ready to either junior, senior in high school. Mm-hmm. So, really, so should she have about a freshman year? Would she be ready herself for her freshman year? Well, you're the, you're the coach, right? Yeah, I'm thinking. So he, she should be ready by a freshman yeah, year. Mom, right? Yeah, the goal is for her to be great. See, because his son was ready his freshman year. And that's the goal. The difference between girls and boys is, is that girls don't want to naturally play. Not yet, at least. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing. Well, we talked about it, mm-hmm. and my daughter, age seven, didn't want to play basketball at that right. time. She wanted to play soccer. And it's, I'm seeing the shift a little bit. Like now, I can have her in the living room on her back doing form shooting, and she'll mm-hmm. do hundred with no problem. But this just started maybe two weeks ago. <laughs> this isn't something that's been happening. So she hasn't played competitive yet. Not yet. Okay. I'm building this slowly. She's gonna probably start playing competitive when she turns eight in June. So, okay. so do she pick up the ball on her own, or you just give it to her? She hasn't got to that point so yet. So those are things that I start observing. Even though same. When my kids were born, so that mean that one I was point. already coaching, so they was in the gym mm. all the time. So they grew so, up with it. So you, uh, you, you would observe. Okay, he, he over there playing with the ball. And the thing, it up, and you would throw something on. Hey, try this, and just see if they did. They, they talk do it. to you first and said, "Dad, I want to play basketball." No. They just start playing. Yeah. You're well, to talk they to played you. basketball, yeah. football, and tried baseball one, <laughs> one year. My son <laughs> tried it two games. He loved to hit. He, he, he was knocking the heck out of that ball. <laughs> but he went to outfield. He said, Dad, this is boring. I'm tired of staying out there. No ball coming. Right. He went to shortstop. Dad, they still ain't hitting it over here. <laughs> That'd be going somewhere. I want to play football. I want to hit somebody. So he went, and that was the age eight. Mm-hmm. He said, that's seven or eight. So. Yeah. It's not like your kids got that mindset because they're around dad. They see the sport, so they pick it up on their own. 
So, so what I'm hoping for for me is and for her is that this summer I'm re- rejoining my I'm rejoining Essence. Okay. To 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 coach at least at least a half time part time. Excuse me. So now that she's gonna be around it more, like I'm taking her to practices with me. She's gonna be traveling to tournaments with me. I want her to be around that program number one and just to be around the lifestyle. And both just, girls. Yeah, yeah, both definitely okay. for sure. Gabby will be with me probably ninety percent of the time, and there's always only three, so she'll be with me probably half of that. But I want her to, no, to, to no, see. They both gonna be with you ninety percent. Yeah, I, I, I already know that too. <laughs> I probably know that too. Um, I, as a matter of fact, my youngest is even more naturally athletic and can use her body better than my oldest can already. I I, I can admit that. So, so they get that from mom or dad? They get that from me. <laughs> they get that from me. But mom was asking me too. Mom, mom, hey, make mom sure mom comp- get this episode. Mom, I, was, I would give mom a prop. She played competitive tennis. Um, Good so comeback. Good comeback. Absolutely. And that's why my daughter played tennis for the what, past three or four years or so. She just got bored with it. She's mm. at that age. I'm hoping when she gets older, she may want to pick it back up. But if not, that's a tough that's sport. Fine. It is a tough sport. That's why I don't understand how Venus and Serena were so successful at that sport. She, me either, because I've seen the daily grind that you got to do, and it's, the, and it's not just the skills; it's the elements too. Because mm-hmm. you're out there in the sun, and yep. there's no nothing that can save you. <laughs> like it's just you, the court, the sun, and a racket. Like, <laughs> it's like taking a trip to Africa and standing no, out there with them. And there's been times last. There was some times <laughs> last summer where that court was 110, 120 Ooh. degrees. Yeah, it was it was real. Oh. So I'm not. I'm not too, I'm not too disappointed that she wants to go. So back in the, the industry said that back in the day when you played uh, summer, we played on pavement, didn't you? Yeah. Did you play indoors? No, we was outside. Like I said, we was outside. So so we had that weather. Or at the gym. So we had that weather temperature. Now, because I grew up, we played summer ball, AU, we was out on 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 the pavement. Really? Now they're in the gym. Yeah, it's an indoor sport. Yeah, for them sure. summer programs when they was at the mm-hmm. park. Yeah. yeah, it was at the park. Cold yeah, because I played park district too. Yeah, at Nucio Park. Yeah, so you did it too. Absolutely. Yeah, you got there. Even cold Billy Bowl. For real. But I'm, I'm I trade you your juice I'm for hoping, your milk. I'm hoping that the naturalness <laughs> of wanting to be around it will come when she's in the gym way, mm-hmm. way more this year. I think I think that's going to be a big leap in her uh, young hoop career. Hopefully. Well, I appreciate you guys coming out. Um, we could have talked for forever. I'm talking yeah. to coaches, yeah. and some areas we didn't hit, and we we hit it next time. Um, start with you, uh, uh, Gary. Final words for my audience. Final words is I want everyone to just be blessed, be healthy, be happy, um, strive for greatness, and let's, let's keep going. I want everyone everyone to know that Gary is running for office at this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Thanks for having me. I had a great, had a great time. Sure. There we go. There we go. Coach Andre, what you got for my uh, audience? Hey, man, just like this, be, be-, be blessed and uh, keep grinding and, you know, keep a positive spirit, um, you know, and just just, just move forward. I'm going to ask one last question to each of you. Start with you first, Coach. Tell me what Black History Month means to you. Black History means... That's what it is. It's, it's black history. You have to, um, you know, dig back into your roots of your, of your ancestors and things of that nature and see how much where we done came from to where we are now. But we still got work to do. Yes. Um, but there were people, ancestors and things before us that had to go through some rough times in order for us to get here. And, um, and you know, what state that we're in. So yes. they're trying to, you know, the box of that, but you know, you know, kids these days, you know, just got to keep that tradition of 
keeping up with that history. Dr. Frederick Williams, you hear that big word that Dr. I mean that uh, Coach Dre just said, debacle. <laughs> yo to Dr. Fred, yo. <laughs> Dr. Fred is the LB online. Gary, what you can't um, get right. Yeah, just to piggyback off what Andre said, I, I think it's both a celebration and it's the opportunity just to get more education because there's things that I know about that I celebrate, but there's a lot that I, I don't know that I'm learning every day of Black History Month and every fact that I get is you know is, is super interesting to me so i want to get more it's also humbling to know that we're at, we're at the age that most of the black history that we're learning those people have made those contributions during this time so yes, yes a lot of stuff that we're doing now can be seen in the future as black history so that's a lot of you know it's an honor well thank you guys for for watching uh this is our last segment for black history black history month as i go into march to be different segments i like to thank both of my guests for being here um, both coaches. Uh, you got a perspective from the male um, coaching males. You got perspective from coaching females. Now, thank you. I appreciate you. Till we meet again. God bless you and goodbye.